Again, catalogs and noise. We are going to be speaking about Otis Redding's second album today. The great Otis Redding sings Soul Ballads. My name is Joe. I'm here with Josh. Tom. All right. So last week we talked about um, the idea of kind of cobbling together these early pop albums and, you know, kind of the formula of it. You went from, you know, having a hit or two and kind of filling it with, you know, uh, covers and other B-sides, things like that, and laid out the argument that I think um, the first album, you know, well exceeded that kind of easy designation. It was far more interesting. Um, the sequencing was better than a, a kind of throwaway early 60s re- record. I kind of think this is that thing, though. This second album falls very short of being a kind of art piece in its own right, the way that uh, Pain in My Heart was. Is that too harsh? I think that's too harsh. I think that's push, I think it's pushing it a little too hard. Because they're, it's, I mean, it says it in the title, these are all going to be soul ballads. They're not all, they're not soul, all soul ballads. Exactly. But clearly that was one of the reasons for putting so many tracks that have the same plotting, 6-8 tempo. And I think there's a lot of good songs on here, but some of them just get lost because, you know, it's, okay, here's another one in that same kind of feel and whatnot. Um, no, they're, all, they're all recorded at different times. And it I, I think, sounds I think like if it. you if yeah. you want to be an album to be a uh, a work of art and you have a sort of a concept, you, you go in and, and and you go in with the ideas in advance and you work it all out in in the studio over a course of a couple sessions. But this seems to be so disparate over. I guess it was like the end of '64, beginning of '65. Oh yeah, right. That. Um, yeah, that it shows. Yeah, but I don't think it's, I mean, it doesn't feel like it's just cobbled together, but for, to me at least, but for like something like Come To Me, which is one of the earlier tracks, you know, it kind of sticks out, sounds very different. That's How Strong My Love is also has a different sound to you, it. You're so, talking about like sonically? I mean sonically, like it sounds like they just have a different sonic feel to them. I don't mean really? the, I don't mean the, the tempos, melodies, right, right. themes, or something like that, they sound different. They sound like, like, they're recording. like recording in a different, you know, different venue. Diff- I know it's the same studio, but different session. Yeah, I don't think I caught that. But. Um, but once again, I think that, you know, the album coheres nicely, and that's, I think, one of the faults of it, in that it's... I agree. You know, right, it's, it's, I, I like the variety of yeah. pain in my heart, but I'd be hard-pressed, because I was thinking about driving over, you know, of the two albums, which one is the stronger album? And I think... Um, Pain in My Heart has some really strong songs, um, and I, I think that this has probably one of the best yet Otis Redding songs on it with Mr. Mr. Pitiful. Pitiful, and has some really cool sounding horn tri- like sounds to like the, the band is starting to cohere. So there's things that I really really like about Pain in My Heart, but there's aspects of this that I really like as well. So I, I put the two as kind of like uh, really? B plus albums. Until you get something like uh, Otis Blue, the next album that just knocks it out of the yeah, park. Yeah, that's a different animal altogether. I'm thinking this is like a B. Uh, I'm saying Pain in My Heart is a B plus A minus. This is like a B minus B. Okay. And I'll tell you what. So every song on its own works. There's not a bad song on it. There's nothing that is embarrassing or, you know, they're all great. I totally get it. There's something that is too samey about this. Yeah. There's something that... Um, I don't know. So, so after we listened, to, after I listened to "Pain in My Heart" a thousand times, you know, prepping for this, I had like 
maybe six songs swirling in my head. I would sing in the shower, you know, going to work. Couldn't get them out, you know, like just, just joyous. I would say Mr. Pitiful is the only one I have that feeling about on this album. Yeah, or there's a couple more, but you have to work for it. You have to work for it. In yeah. fact, none of them stick to me. None of the, the song titles, like, I have to, like, hear it and match it up and be like, oh, that song. Yeah. And I like it in yeah. that context, but, but it's not like when I'm making my, my 60s soul mix, Mr. Pitiful will make it. None of these other songs I'll even think about to put on, you know? I think I would toss a couple of more on. And I think out of the album, I think four became R&B, like certifiable hits of sorts. Yeah, sing- there were four singles, I think. The one thing about the, the whole collection of songs, by the time we get to come to me, I, I made a little note, uh, I feel like I'm totally building up to I've been loving you too long. So I got the sense <laughs> yeah. that this was all kind of, although it seemed, you don't think it's cobbled together, I think it, for me it is kind of a little all over the place, even though the sound kind of comes out a little the same and you can't yeah. attach like yeah. like names to it or whatever but I feel like it is building to this masterpiece yeah. as if this was uh, um, you know the canvas to try out the ideas for what is going to be the, the, the next session or actually because and I think um, I've been loving you uh, uh, was it so long or too long? So, too long too long too long is done I think it's recorded like yeah. while this comes yeah, out. Yeah. So like With so it is getting close to this, so it does make sense that that, that that's happening. So so think about this. What is the, the last song on the first side, whatever it is? Um uh It's too late. It's too late, right? And which is interesting. I think that's an interesting song. But um what if you put I've been loving you for too long at the end, right? So that you have end of side one, I've been loving you, end of side two, Mr. Pitiful. All of a sudden that album becomes immensely better I think you know I, I think Tom's right there, there's it, it's building up to something that isn't there and I've been loving you too long isn't terribly unlike these other songs in terms of tempo in terms of theme it's just a better song it's a better song oh, oh yeah it's, it's the best it's, of all it, these yeah. exactly. it's, it is a significantly better song yeah. than any of the other ballads that are on here I think I think Mr. Pitiful holds its own as a different kind of song I agree but um, yeah, you you don't have anything like uh, you know I've been loving you too long on this. Or that, these arms think, of mine. Think, think of uh, okay. Well, I would so, say that some of the best ballads on this are you know I think these arm of, arms of mine are cut with the same cloth. You, you I would agree. you would say that I've I been totally loving agree. you too long is far superior to these arms of mine. Right? Well, I think they're the same. And I think like think of, think of like the complexity of the coda of that, how it goes off on that, like the, those beautiful piano chords, you know, on, on I've been loving you too long. Like the mm-hmm. whole thing is so rich sonically. It's, you know, you're starting to get those. Tom's right. The, can, the canvas is a good I metaphor. I totally Because agree. the canvas is getting richer and richer on these songs. It's almost like he's testing out the, yeah. the possibilities you know, by by trying like a Sam Cooke song or something else or his own, you know, his own songs, you know, writing in that stuff. Actually, curiously, the only ballady song that's his on here is Come to Me. Come to Me. I think that's it. Right? So it's... The he, other ones he, are up yeah. yeah. That's true. That's yeah. interesting. So it's he's trying it out on somebody else's, you know, it's almost like a, a you know, a, a you know, budding artist, you know, trying to copy, you know, a great, you know, old master to build his own craft. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I, I think that's right. Um, so I, I want to explore this a little more because I don't know that I have an answer. So what is it exactly that is different in These Arms of Mine and I've Been Waiting Too Long that isn't in Come To Me? I think oh, primarily it's salesmanship, right? He's, yeah. He believes it. He's selling it. The, the vocalization 
is so earnest and complex yeah. in those songs, Come To Me is kind of lazy. Yeah. Right? And, yeah, it's, that, it's, that's I think it's his weakest one. vocal performance. And I think he's, tr- he's trying to sound vulnerable, but he just doesn't... When he's trying to sound like it doesn't work, when he, when he is vulnerable in a song, it works. I know that sounds... Like, I'm trying to have my cake and eat it, too. But there are songs where it's like, that's a vulnerable Otis Redding rendition. But there he's so consciously trying to sound. Like just, it's, a, it's a weak track. It's not, it's, it's bland. It doesn't right. have, like, uh, these arms of mine, you're, you're with them with that first acapella note. All right, so you're kind of teeing me up for theory number two. I don't know what theory number one was. It doesn't matter. Theory number two is, isn't it the case? And, I don't, again, I don't know that I have enough evidence to, to stand by. I'm going to go for it anyway. He's singing about vulnerability a lot more in this album than he did on the first album. In other words, the subject is vulnerability, but the vocals, the, the feel of it doesn't match it. It's yeah. almost like he's trying to, to cheat us a little bit, right? The real songs, These Arms of Mine, you can feel vulnerability in his voice. Uh, I've been waiting too long. But when it doesn't work, a song like Security, a song like Come To Me, is when he's singing about it but not demonstrating it. I agree with you with Gun. I think security. I, know, I, I like still think security more. is really good. But um, but I feel like they're of the same cloth, right? The uh, what is the second song? Um, Chained and Bound. Yeah. Right. It, it, the subject matter of his songs seem to be this kind of like um, what uh, secondary to the lover, right? Um, a lot of times that that he's being suppressed or subjugated and he's gleeful about it there's also like a, almost like a, a yeah. masochism like thank it. you is kind of the same exactly. thing yeah yeah you know what i mean i don't know that we get that in the typical otis redding when you think of typical otis redding you think of respect yeah you know yeah. um so i think i think it's yeah it, it's it's a it's a shorthand he's trying to sell the emotion with but i'm not hearing it yeah i i, I think so um, by the way, I just want to get it out there that uh, I was wrong when I said that uh, there aren't any Otis Redding original ballads on, like really ballad. They chained about. Oh, chained about. Chained about. I forgot yeah. entirely. Yeah, the, the, there's what is there five new ones altogether from him? Yeah, I don't something like that. Yeah, uh, but but the all the up tempo ones are him. Yeah, yeah, and it's like well, four except for the ones. home in your heart. Um, oh, you're right. Five. That's uh, that's Jackie Wilson, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think oh no. So. I mean, the only, I mean, I don't know if you uh, wrote it, but the ver- I think the original version is... Uh, oh, one of them is Jackie Wilson. I don't know. We'll yeah, get Jackie, through them. Jackie Wilson's one of them. But. Yeah. So, all right. So, so big I- the next big idea is, and this is uh, returning to an old conversation that we had a long time ago. Is this a sophomore slump? I mean, I, like, we talked about Meet It's Murder. I, I don't, and I, I think don't... I railed against the concept of it. I can think of a thousand examples where the second album is not only great, it's the best album yeah, by the group. No, right. But that, that is a thing out there, yeah. sophomore slump. And I think when applied correctly, it's something like this. I don't think that, uh, I think we all agreed that Pain in My Heart was a, a fantastic debut, but I don't think that it's, it's not like this is such a fall off of I th- quality I because I think yeah. the, the, I think his, 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 I mean, I'm really thinking of his writing in it. Yeah. And there's some re- there's some really good writing in it. It's not like, geez, what were they thinking? Like, you know, you know, thank you or uh, you're one and only man. What shit is that? No, no those no, are no. really good songs. I, but, I, but they all sound like B sides. They all sound like like filler tracks. Yeah. You know, except for Mr. Pitiful. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, I think the song selection is the cover selection is way different here, right? It, he's not picking hits. Like, Stand By Me, like, yeah. um, mm-hmm. You Send Me. 
these seem to be a different kind of thing. And I don't know. My theory is, I guess, that um, he got a little cred. These are maybe a little more personal in nature. I don't have any evidence to back this up. This is just a gut feeling that uh, you don't have to kind of, you know, hit the, uh, you know, Louie Louie because it's on the charts now to kind of pander to an audience. And I guess I'm saying that maybe he should a little more, you know, because these kind of deeper, you know, soul cuts are interesting, but I, I don't he's not doing too much with them. Well, he's, he's treating he's them slow, more reverently. He's slowing them down. He's slowing them he's down. He's slowing them down and he's right. making them he's making them blues. Yeah, like for example, a woman, a lover, a friend right. is, you know, that sounds radically different than the original. You know, every every yeah. tempo of the covers is you know, each time I I would listen to the the original recordings and I would think Oh, okay. So this this is the slow. This is like his is a little. It's gonna be faster. And then I would listen to his. Like, oh my god, it's even slower. Yeah. You think that for nothing can change this love? I thought that they were very similar. Which one is that? Uh, the Sam Cooke song. So, but the they're Sam similar, Cook, but it, they're, you know, they're the most similar. The for, most similar, yeah. but obviously the Sam Cooke one is just so, so smooth. Here's yeah. Here's and, what I wrote. Sam yeah. Cooke is slow, but not as slow as Otis is. Uh, you know, he's got uh, Sam Cooke's got the tasteful piano. You know, the strings yeah. and whatnot. Whereas, uh, I like the kind of the decisions that were made in the arrangement of that one in particular. The piano is almost like a... I put like, saloon sound. Yeah, I, I said tack, the, I tack, the same exact yeah, yeah, tack piano, right? Upright yeah. piano. Whereas that's that's very different. So, you know, they are, I think it's a very different version. I think it's... I'm not sure what he's doing with it, but he's putting his own stamp on it. Yeah. Yeah, you, um, you got the guitars and the piano versus the strings and that very tasteful, elegant piano. I don't think it transcends the original, though. I don't think it's... But I don't know that we would say that the the stuff on Painting My Heart transcended the originals. They were just kind of like Otis doing his own different thing. I don't think... Like, I, when I think transcend, it's almost like, like, holy shit, listen to Try a Little Tenderness. Mm-hmm. You know, right, that, that went from being this to being a masterpiece. Whereas, you know, I think all the covers on uh, Painting My Heart and the covers here, they're... They're cool new versions of what has been done. Yeah, I don't think any of these covers... It's I don't know if it's a question of better or worse. It's Is Otis making it his own, mm-hmm. or is he kind of reverently aping yeah. the whoever came before? So using that vocabulary, I don't know. I, I mean, he's trying to make them his own, but he's, it's nothing like Otis no. taking a, a masterpiece like, a, you know, change is going to come. Right. And then, I mean, taking a song that should have such reverence already for it and then making it like the definitive, or at yeah. least for me, the definitive version, that's transcendence. That's making it his own. But yeah. again, you have to wait for, you know, Otis Blue for something like that. Yeah. No, I agree. So, um, so you just, you're, you're, no one's buying into the sophomore slump thing. I'm going because to I, dead end. I, I, I enjoyed listening to this album as much as uh, Pain in My Heart because Pain in My Heart, I'd lose interest listening to Louie Louie or mm-hmm. I like the Louie Louie, I like the Lucille, but I'm just not as, I'm not as into it. Whereas, you know, this, the, the fault is it's so samey, but after a while, I kind of like dig the mood. So the theory behind it, right, I think is, you know, you spend your, your kind of gritty years coming up and you get, you like, you know, honing that material and you put your best stuff together and that's your first album. You have to run to get the follow-up, yeah. and you're cobbling shit together. And I feel like that's Maybe, the case but, here. But, 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 yeah, and, but you could argue since he is somewhat precocious and he is you know, young, he, might ha- he doesn't have it together yet. And, and that's why I view his, his catalog kind of just in, you know, gets better yeah. with, with time. So you had this explosion, because I think because no one has heard his voice and sort of heard that emotion. And then it kind of... I don't, I don't think this is a step back, honestly. Yeah. I, think it's, I think it just 
it doesn't outdo the first. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, that's why I say they're both, to me, they're both like B pluses. I enjoy listening to both of them. Or I would go B, you know. I Maybe. Think. I mean, yeah. I certainly don't, don't get me wrong. I, I, this is, I don't want to slag this album off. It's interesting. It's probably my least favorite Otis While He's Alive, those six yeah, albums. Yeah, the ones that I'm very familiar with, like this, the Dictionary of Soul. The, that's way better. The Otis Blue. I prefer those and, much more. Yeah. yeah. And and you really like Mr. Pitiful. That moves you. There's, yeah, o- there's only two real rockin' songs on this yeah. album, so... Yeah, no, Mr. Pitiful's well, special. I agree. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't... So, I don't know if it's that they're... The, the, by saying that, it sounds like what's great about them is that they're rockin'. I don't think you mean that, though. Like, I think, I think some of the ballads on here are really, really good, too. It just turns out that the song quality of Mr. Pitiful okay. is... There's just something about that that's yeah. better. It's not that it's a rockin' rollickin' song. It's just... Everything about that just sounds because he, he sells it sounds it. masterful. It yeah. sounds like he's he's in it. Yeah, but the ba- the band sounds great through the whole album. Sure, but that band playing Mr. Pitiful, even I if know. they were playing like a ballad, if they're sounding like that, they sound extraordinary. Yeah, the, the music quality is is higher. I, you know, I don't know what that is. It probably is. Well, I, I guess we'll talk to it when we get there. But Cropper seems to have more of a hand in that one. I would say the same thing for if if he's the one that arranged that's how strong my love is, which sounds nothing like the OV right I, version. Yeah. yeah, that sounds like that a, a cropper original because I mean right. that guitar is it's is great. guiding everything through. Yeah, so you know there, you're right. I think there's there's three tiers of song here, right? There's Mr. Pitiful for me. Then you yeah. have a, like a secondary tier. Yeah. I would I would say that you know that's how strong my love is is part of that. I would yeah. say you know whatever the um, the more upbeat. You know, numbers he does, um, you know, his originals. And then there's, you know, filler at the bottom. But, um, yeah, this first song, That's How Strong My Love Is, is really great, I think. Yeah, this is like the star, you know, like a star pitcher in the minor leagues. Right, (laughs) Right? that's that's, good. And that's, I I was thinking that when I was listening to I Want to Thank You. Like, I really like this song a lot. Is this song, though, like, good, like, classic Otis Redding? Like, I just don't think so. I don't think it's ready yet for the major leagues, but it's it's really good, right? For me, I like that, like, I think that was one of my top two or three on yeah. the entire album. I oh, think. on the album, yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, okay. For sure. That's what I'm saying. I think it's like, I don't think it transcends the album like no. uh, Mr. Pitiful right. or, or even like I've Been Loving You Too Long, but I think it's right up there with uh, the other tracks that I really liked on Pain in My Heart. Yeah. yeah, like Pain in My Heart, for yeah. instance. Or like uh, These Arms of Mine. See, you're under, underplaying These Arms of Mine. Well, I'm, I would actually under... I would... Whatever the word... I'm, I would undersell Pain in My Heart. Pain in My Heart is... No, no, no that'll word. buy. Yeah. That'll buy. These Arms of Mine is different. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> um, uh, there, this, so, the liner notes, right, on the record uh, itself, talk about how this is Otis kind of... Going back to his roots, and th- that kind of helped me think about, um, you know, his song selection and be more personal. I, I kind of got that idea from that, but but there's something to that. Um, everything seems to be a little more kind of gospely, right? I don't know if gospel. I don't know. Yeah, right? I don't know if I had that feel. Or, or bluesy, maybe, maybe bluesy. Yeah, there's, well, there's I mean, where that most consciously comes in is the you know woman lover friend well yeah you know, where that's course, like basic classic one four five yeah. chord progression and, and that's i mean very much looking sax. forward to um you know you rock me mm-hmm. on the right the what is that bb king song on otis blue that's coming rock me so baby rock that, me yeah. i don't know whatever it is um 
But yeah, I mean, that one's explicit. But I even think, you know, these are more kind of like deep soul, soul. songs yeah. than... I mean, you well, know, there's the, no, there's the no Louis, Louis, there's no right. Lucille, there's no, like so, even the ro- rollicking numbers are kind of, you know, they've got a strut to them. Yeah. So that's a conscious choice, right? I mean, at least to, to curate this album like mm-hmm. that, doesn't that seem counterintuitive, right? Doesn't it seem like you would want to strike next with a bunch of upbeat numbers to kind to kind of like. I don't know, capture more mainstream appeal. I mean, is that what he's going know. for? Is he going for a crossover pop status? I don't, I don't know what, you know, yeah, there's like my, 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 you know, just like you guys, my main source of info other than my own ears is that Rabowski book that we're all right, reading. And he, he doesn't have too much on this particular no. album. Yeah. You know, it kind of piggybacks on the, the story of pain in my heart. You get the sense that it really does kind of just follow naturally. Yeah. from those sessions. Well, one thing that he does mention is, you know, he goes into, you know, whatever, you know, all these separate uh, sessions to record yeah. these songs and he comes out the other end seeming to be the king of stacks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah. there is a trade. So, however we're perceiving this album, it seems as if this sort of vaulted him in, in, into a, you know, a level of respect uh, that he didn't have beforehand. So yeah. I don't know if we're, we're not like, we're not missing something, but yes, something about this album really like it's. It, I think the impression I got like even uh, Booker T and them sort of became like his backing yeah. band versus the other way around. Yeah. Rubowski tells a story, right? Um, like uh, when he's recording, it becomes an event, and all these yes, people yes, come out it. of the right, yeah, yeah. and you're getting like crowds, and yeah. there's an energy kind of yeah. fomenting around him. Yeah. And that, he's telling that story about this album, right? Like when yes, he comes back to these sessions. Yeah. This, these sessions, yeah. So, so that I would mean, imply then that, that Otis really does have the say of what the tracks are that he so. wants to put on there. So I, I mean, so. it's a conscious choice. Yeah, I'm buying that this is like, you know, personal in a, in a way. Or, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's better for it, but I think that's just the psychology of it. So, um... I listened to, you know, a, a string of uh, That's How Strong My yeah, Love is covers, yeah. And it seems yeah. to me everybody is covering Otis and not really O.V. Wright. Yeah. Is that who the singer is? Um, oh, well, yeah. O.V. Wright is o. the Wright's one the that, that records it. Okay, the first one. Okay. Yeah, I don't know that this Roosevelt Jameson has a recording. I don't know who he is yeah. or what his deal is. But the, um, yeah, the O.V. Wright is like... Um, it's a different tempo. It's got the. It's driven by that that really dated organ sound. Yeah, it's organ. It has a, it has strings. It's more lovely. And the the chords are very different. The chord arrangement is very different. So yeah. whoever put this arrangement together, presumably Steve Cropper, Cropper yeah. right? You know, it's it might as well be like how Pain in My Heart is, except rather than using the same melody, you know, they're using the same lyrics of That's How Strong My Love Is, but they basically wrote what I feel like is a different song. I mean, the, no, the, right. the, 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 guitar the guitar playing, the car, is it, I think it's really lovely. Yeah. It's almost like a duet. I think yeah. I said that last time mm-hmm. um, of some horn selections, but, um, or, or the, uh, the Jenkins guitar. Yeah. But, but it, it's almost like Cropper has taken uh, lessons from, from how Jenkins, Jenkins right? yeah. kind of worked with Otis and is trying to incorporate that kind of play. But, you know, yeah, when that comes in, and I guess it's like, what, is that the chorus when, it, when that guitar first comes in? No, it's, it's, it's going through the verses, too. Is like it, it the, yeah, or it's, the second it, verse it, or whatever? Calling it a duet is, I think, the right way of looking at it. Uh, you know, with very much Cropper not overplaying yet, 
making such a lovely bed for Ovis, yeah. uh, Ovis, Otis <laughs> to, to sing over. So the guitar sound, I'm talking about, what is that, the timbre, the actual mm-hmm. sound quality of the guitar, yeah. sounds like Sam and Dave. I don't know if that's Cropper, you know, playing on those. I haven't really looked into it. But, you know, think about Soul Man. Yeah. And that... Right? That's a, it sounds it's like... A very, very clean kind of guitar sound. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, look, like... You know, so much of guitar tone is in a person's fingers. And so, no, you know, like saying. you can't, you know, mimic that. Like, you know, you can, not that I'm any expert on Steve Cropper's guitar, but after listening to so many of these albums just for this, you start to noticing, like, yeah, that does sound right. a lot like him. Yeah. So, yeah, like I was saying, I, you know, the, I was in the Hollies, even Percy Sledge, you know, all of them have followed. Mm-hmm. But they're covering Otis. Yeah. They're not really covering the original, yeah. it seems, which only tells me that, like, um, you know, he's making a mark. You know, when the Rolling Stones, you know, who are, are basically just kind of like... carbon copy cup. Yeah, yeah, even yeah. whatever they think is cool in American Soul, you know, are grabbing you. Because they're pretty big by now, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you're, you know, button up against uh, 65. Mm-hmm. They're huge, you know? So, I don't know. I, and I liked all the versions. I think it's a, it's a good song, yeah. you know? But um, nobody's doing anything interesting with it beyond yeah. Otis, I don't think. So, moving on to the second song, um, yeah, I, this, is, this for me is one of the throwaways, you know, I don't know. I'm with you on that. It's okay, you know. It's got a nice horn arrangement, but then you start hearing that virtually every track on this has a really cool horn arrangement, so, you know, it's the second 6-8 sound that did, yeah. did, 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 did in a row, so it gets lost. It might stand out better, but... <laughs> Lyrically, though, I got some questions. Me too. Yeah. Uh, very strange lyric. Yeah. Yes. He's like I, he's, he's glad to be changed. Yeah. But then what? Oh, I don't have to worry no more. Well, I'm just wondering, like, what's he worried about? Is he worried that he's gonna stray, or that she? Because he's the one that's chained and bound. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. the, the metaphor is a little strained there. And then <laughs> somebody, somebody, is that just kind of like a you know vocal like uh, ejaculation of sorts? <laughs> like what? What, what what does that even mean? I thought the lyrics were all over the place on this one yeah. because it is like I'm glad this, but it's also this is our second song where there's proclamations about like my love's greater than anybody yeah. else's yeah. as well. Right. So I I I, can't, I couldn't get a good grip behind what the what, what the song was about. Well, did you Rubowski has he he talked about this and um, it's a Rorschach test. Yeah, your right? one and only yeah. be your one and only man yeah. being these kind of like um this tension with him and his wife and. And his mm-hmm. uh, dealing with his own kind of masculinity and fidelity and all of this, like he's almost you know bragging about even though he's apparently out screwing whatever you know you can. A lot of people apparently. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if I buy all that. I don't like. It seems very speculative, but there is something strange in this, and I was kind of going another way with it. I mean. You know, Chained and Bound has a lot of, like, you know, slavery resonance, mm-hmm. you know? You know, not to get too overtly political with it. I don't think Otis is at all a political songwriter. But to take that idea, right, uh, and particularly, you know, given the tempo and this almost kind of like, I'm going to go back to it, this kind of gospely feel of this album, it's almost like he's repurposing these old slave tropes in this kind of new way. I don't know. It's it's a little uncomfortable making. Yeah. But but because I don't I don't think it's done very effectively. <laughs> no. Well, with those pleadings like you know oh I don't have to worry no more and something like that, it's strange, right? What is the message that it's good to be subjugated to somebody else yeah. as long as you know they're going to be true to you as long as they're going to, you know, treat you kindly as a master or something like this, yeah. right? 
It's a little bit twisted. Either it's super subversive. Well, that's or, what I'm wondering. Or it's it's clunky, and I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't think I fall on the subversive. I don't think it's. I think yeah. so too. Yeah. I think like um, yeah. I, I think it's it's. Yeah, I don't know. It's falling short. I yeah. think of being clever, purposefully. <laughs> like uh, yeah, any any kind of interest I can attribute to it, I think is um, maybe not intended. I, yeah. yeah, I don't know. But uh, it's all right. <laughs> but this is what I was talking about when I was saying that like. He seems to be taking the the subjugated kind of persona in this album, mm-hmm. right? This is the first time I noticed it. This song, you know, and, but it shows up every now and then. I think five, six songs have that as a kind of central trope, you know. Okay. But then we shift to the to the next one: a woman, uh, a lover, a friend, and I think you get the you know there's sort of like demands. He's making demands of like what yeah. he wants from a woman, and it starts off with that sultry seductive sax which yeah. is different than what you heard in the other couple of songs and even on the first album I think there's yeah there's there's nothing like there's this, nothing like that, that yeah. at all yeah I agree and he's losing it up here yeah exactly because yeah. you got the languid guitar plucking uh, am I the only one to think that this thing. one just doesn't work no I right? like it did like it just takes me totally out I'm, of I'm, the like as soon as that raunchy sax comes in I'm this out this is another filler track for me and it's kind of early on for it to be a filler track I our totally filler agree. tracks usually stuffed on maybe side two or something exactly. like that but we I got, think he's we got back to back here but I think he's trying to do like a like I can like let me you know I can't maybe sing like Jackie Wilson but I can I can out grit him I'm gonna make this dirtier and grittier right. and and it just it, to me it falls flat well the Wilson track like the Sam Cooke right that we talked about last time is a lot more poppy a lot more it's very refined. like late 1950s yeah. sounding like I think it's 1960 but it sounds like that 1950s he got the the beautiful backing strings that that choral group backing vocal arrangement and whatnot. I, the, the, I actually prefer the Jackie no, Wilson me too, version. Me too. It sounds like it's on the edge of like doo-wop and mm-hmm. 60s R&B. Like, like I think the best Sam Cooke is. Yeah. Right? Um, and I do appreciate that Otis is not going to do the exact same thing. Yeah, he thing. does it very differently. Yeah. I just don't... I, and then again, it could just be me. This isn't really just my thing. I don't care for... You know, I yeah. don't care for the sound. It just no. I agree. I think I think it's sonically not as interesting. But you know, I prefer it to another version of Jackie Wilson's yeah. track. The um, I think he's doing the same thing on uh, "It's Too Late" a little later. Not to jump ahead, but um, what is that? That's the uh, the Chuck Willis song, yeah. right? But well, let's in other words, like you know, he's he's paring it down. Yeah. Uh, like he's pulling away most of the instrumentation. He's but there it works. I, I love, I, I love, actually, I love It's Too Late. I think too. It's Too Late is one of the strongest covers. That's my on, second tier. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I like very much. Because you know, it's weird, right? It's weird. Well, it's almost like, it's, it's almost like dub in that you're like yeah, yeah, pulling yeah. out instruments yeah. and putting them back in. Not, not randomly, like a lot of great dub tracks. It's kind of seems almost takes you by surprise. But I, I like that. I like how the piano is like the keeping only consistent time. thing, keeping time. Yeah. And the bass drops in with the guitar, a little bit of hi hat. Because and the then Chuck when the Will- horns come in, it's right. it's like a revelation. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Chuck Willis is super doo Yeah. Oh yeah, it's that yeah. same like dominant choir. That's like late, right, right in the heart of the fifties, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I like that. You know, what does that tell me? That that Otis understands himself as a singer, you know, understands his limitations or strengths yeah. and is kind of playing into them, you know. While I think that's my guess, both this and the Jackie Wilson song are not hits, yeah. right? I mean, I don't even think the Jackie Wilson song was a single. 
I don't know. I might be wrong on that. Uh, but but they're they're kind of buried, you know. He's oh to see something in them. Yeah. I, so I appreciate. No, I appreciate it, that know? too. I just think though the way what the choice to me rubs me the wrong way. Also, yeah, like we were talking about the the Steve Cropper guitar line of uh, uh, yeah, that's how strong my love is, which is a, you know it's a somewhat busy guitar line, but it doesn't like walk over Otis's singing. Yeah. Otis and the sax are competing. Like and right. towards the end, it's it's just it's too much. It's mm -hmm. yeah. So your one and only man is is one of my top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's Me in too. the upper tier of it. Absolutely, I totally like that. And yeah, you got you, you got it's it, part of it though is because of the relief. Like when it exactly. comes in, yeah. you know, it's like fucking exactly. hell. About time. Like you get this like strut, but it's like a slow, relaxed uh. strut, and he sounds. I think he sounds like confident. But, I think Rabowski reads it the other way. Like he sounds like what he's saying sounds like he's you know vulnerable here. I, I think he means it. Like I, it just it sounds cool. It sounds like the Otis of respect. Well, no, right? that that might be a little bit much. But no, I think it's I think it's, it's the confidence it. of that. Like I think it's like it's as a songwriter, I think he's like he's owning this song. Yeah, I was gonna say I like the heavy beat. There's like yeah. a heavy beat yeah. that comes in and then. Uh, when you're about, I think you're about to go into um, the chorus, it pulls back and you got some sort of uh, uh, syncopation yep. of yeah. sorts. Mm -hmm. Oh, those horns are bold. And then the, then the, the horns come at you. And uh, yeah, I think I'm starting to really like, and, and this is somebody we haven't talked about, is the drummer, Al yeah. Jackson yeah, yeah, Jr. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we've mentioned him before. I know exactly the drum part you're talking about yeah. where he does like this kind of stuttering. Stutter, like, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Awesome. it's unexpected. Yeah. And I don't think we've gotten that so far. That's what I'm saying. Like all of this... Is starting to piece together maybe future Otis. Yeah. Or yeah. I well, mean, the band is becoming a kick-ass band behind yeah. him. They were always they were always incredible musicians, but unlike Pain in My Heart, where you don't feel like cohesive band at that point, here you you're starting to feel this is a band that's coming into its own. Yeah. You know, with Otis, like at like an Otis Redding machine. You know, happens to be backed by one of the greatest bands ever. No, but, no I know. totally understand that. You get the sense that this band has the potential to make Otis Blue. Yeah, in a couple months, I get that from this. I don't know that you could make that jump from Pain in My Heart right to Otis yeah. Blue. Yeah. Now, um, you're one and only man, and we talked about this last week about the end of songs. This fades out, and it fades yeah. out with a really, really strong climactic coda that just keeps uh -huh. you kind of at like at the pinnacle of the song. But a lot of the songs are fade out songs. I don't know if I you know. noticed that. Yeah, but, I'm gonna, but it's good. I, this, I don't know how you would do it one, better. I think that's what I mean. One of the reasons I like this song, it rides out strong. Yeah. You're riding out on, yeah. you know, as it fades out. And yeah, listening to the live album, I know there's a few of them, but I've got uh, live in Europe. Uh -huh, right. the, the only thing that's disconcerting, like, by the way, if, you, if you've listened to Otis Redding live albums, yeah. they are just like breathless pace. From the beat. Even, even the ballads you feel because you're, you're swooning, but right. my God, the rockers. But the, always, the thing that always is disconcerting is that, that ending of the songs that I'm used <laughs> to fading out. I agree. And I yeah. think that's the counter argument to what you were saying you know, last time we met because I, I, like, I don't want to have that definitive doo -doo, psh, you know, I, I, want, I want the fade out. I, I can't justify that yeah. weird quirk I have but yeah it's a song but um, no I mean I I told the story when I saw Monterey Pop the first time it, Otis I went oh Otis is the best like you know I, I was crazy for the Who at that time yeah. I was like early Who man I was over the moon for it and I went oh I would so much rather see yeah. Otis's whole set than the Who's yeah. and that Who at Monterey Pop is is, is amazing that's like uh, Moon going crazy like Animal from the yeah. Muppets all that but 
But I was like, ah, I'm seeing R&B in a new way. And it's because of that just kind of, you know, breathless, yeah. breakneck pace of everything. Yeah. It's, it's so, like, immediate and, and important yeah. every second. Um, so we kind of skipped something earlier that I want to go back to. And it, it's the title, right? So I, it's not a good title, right? Uh, it's generic. I think it's it's meant to be generic. I like right? I like the fact that it's the great. <laughs> I like I like the great by album That's, number two. Yeah. The only yeah. the only real things I agree with are that it's him. It's great and it's he's like has self coronation of some sort. <laughs> but how did that happen? Because uh, you know the way Rabowski tells it, when the press releases are being put out by uh, you know the the guys you know down in Macon. Yeah, they're releasing it as you know the great Otis Redding, right. and I thought the people in Atlantic were pushing back, saying, you know, no, we're not comfortable with this, you know, calling. So instead, it would just say like you know Otis Redding on the press with rather than the great Otis Redding or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And yet, when the album comes out, that's the title they go with. Yeah. See, I don't even care about the great part. You know that that's that's fine for me. Ballad. I I don't know why why that has to be the touted thing. I don't even think that's the commercial choice to make. You know, why tout an album full of ballads? Who the hell wants to listen to that in 1964, 65, right? Yeah, because most of the ballads are being sourced from 1955. Every, yeah, yeah, and everybody yeah. around you, it's British Invasion time, man. Like, uh, yeah, I was, looking, I was yeah. looking at the 1965 pop charts, yeah. and it is chock full of British Invasion stuff. Absolutely. And when you do see the Motown stuff, it's like Stop in the Name of Love. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, they're really moving this is, numbers. This is Four Tops Temptation, yeah. Smokey Robinson's big hit. So you could see like an album of songs like Your One and Only Man, Mr. Pitiful, and like right. that That would have been the move. That should have been touted. Saying, right? Yeah. Mr. Pitiful should probably be the first song on this album. If you're if you're trying to move product. Right. I like its place. Oh, it's where its place is best yeah. is commenting on the whole album. Yeah. But I don't know. There's something... So what really annoys me about it is it points out the kind of generic second album qualities of it to me. It, it highlights it for me. And I'll tell you, let's, let's go to the cover right now. I, this cover with the kind of Andy Warhol-like mass production thing, I don't know if that was the intention behind it, but that does it for me too, you know? I, it's not that it's it's... His greatness being represented twenty four times. It think it dilutes it. It the it, it's yeah. The, yeah this is a manufactured. Right? This the, is manufactured. Very different image than the one with him on uh, "Pain in My Heart," where right. it's like a commanding presence. Exactly. The, that should be titled "The Great Otis Sings." You know, anything. It doesn't matter. You know, because of his presence, it's diluted and manufactured. And I don't think that this album is. Mm-hmm. I think these choices are maybe. Highlighting those things that and, and putting them in high relief in yeah. a way, you know. Yeah, album, know. album uh, titles weren't always like the. I mean, Otis Blue is kind of a cool album sure. title, but that's not even the full title, and right? Cover it's, man. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about that later. But uh, isn't the fourth album just called you know the Soul album? Yeah, <laughs> so that no, that's cool too. Is it? I don't oh, know. They didn't really put a lot of thought oh, into calling it. Calling it the Soul album and putting that that beautiful woman. I think yeah, that's his wife, yeah, yeah. right? Well, I don't cover. know who it is, but yeah, there's I a thought woman it was. I'm not sure. Um, is a statement, is yeah. an incredible statement, particularly on the heels of Otis Blue and the woman that's on that cover, yeah. which we can get into more later. I, I think those are subtle political messages that are very interesting that say something about the artist. Uh, you know, this looks pretty cool because it kind of looks like a Blue Note cover, yeah. you know, or something like that. Maybe that's the best I can say of it. But I don't think it holds any kind of message about what you were about to listen to beside it might be a little generic. 
And I think the album's a little too generic for me to find it ironic or Yeah, no, it definitely that I mean you know? I'm making the argument for it that it it present you know, what the title says it is, it is somewhat as an organizing principle. You know, that's why I was pushing back with when the like sounds like it's cobbled together. I mean, there were conscious decisions to choose ballads and then they yeah. would pepper it with a few uh upbeat tracks that were written at the time. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so next you get the Sam Cooke song, right? Again, a weird choice for Sam Cooke. He's got a, got a slew of hits. You know, this one doesn't seem to really register. Kind of corny lyrics to the apple of my eye, cherry pie stuff. Um, the horns are taking a backseat on this one. You got a creeping sax. I mean, it's okay. I like the busy piano. Um, yeah, with this, the saloon piano that we talked about, but... Yeah, once again, you know, I think Sam Cooke's uh, voice is its own instrument, and I think it's hard to compete with that. And and Sam Cooke doing that kind of doo wop vocal can get away with cherry pie and that kind of bullshit. Yeah. Do and note, that, though, that Otis does chuckle right before he says, you're the yeah. apple of my eye, almost as if he realizes the silliness. You're the apple? <laughs> yeah. I know, I, I, yeah. I caught that, too. Yeah. Yeah, that makes it maybe a little ironic, a little playful. It doesn't, I mean, the song, though, is, yeah. I don't know if that's... Much, I mean, this is one of the tracks that gets lost in the yeah, the definitely, shuffle. definitely. This is not a memorable one for me at all. And then in the the side ends with, it's too late, you know. Uh, so I think it, it begins and ends very strong, but you know, and beside the the upbeat number, it's, it's a little dull, you know. I don't know. I wasn't. We weren't talking it this way at all about pain in my heart. Well, I think we were given a pass for things like Louie Louie and the dog because they were choices like we were justified. Like, why are we doing Louie Louie? We're doing Louie Louie because it's raging up the pop charts. You know, the dog gives a little bit of fun to it and Lucille maybe paying homage to, yeah. you know, Macon's hometown hero. But we never once were talking about like those songs as being like, oh, this is a great rendition of Lucille. This is it. Yeah, I, I think I think it's great. I, Stand by me is the exception. Yeah. Um, but we were giving passes, I think, to a lot of the tracks yeah, based on their. Whereas here, I think we're being very critical of it. So well, these one, songs don't have the rich narrative, songwriting histories of those songs or how they work on the chart. You can't really construct a reason for them to choose these and record them, except that they must be personal. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you know that's great, but it's kind of dull, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we were able to go back to Pain in My Heart and not have the description discussion of the choices and then talk about, all right, so how is his rendition of Louie Louie? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. I don't know that it's memorable. I'm not going to go back and listen to Otis Redding doing Louie Louie again. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think... Oh, see, I like it better than you do, I think. Yeah? I think I like that. So... Oh, yeah. You have I was going to say, starting off on side two, though. It limps let's in. Flip, let's flip this over. And what, what were you going to say? What's your... I, this limps in. Yeah, it limps in. Because it, doesn't it sound like some weak version of Unchained Melody? Yeah. <laughs> the first, yeah. On my notes. I'm ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I don't get what's going up. Eventually, yes. it, it picks up with the tempo, and you got this jaunty guitar solos. Got a key change. From, key it's, change. It's very similar to the original. I mean, you know, I after the, the Sam Cooke, I think this one is it's the most... It's doo-wop, choral... Yeah. Uh, I mean, the arrangement. Oh, his yeah. voice is always going to be different, of yeah. course. But, uh, but yeah, just... Just this is maybe the weakest song on the album for me. Nah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I put it towards the bottom. Yeah. I, put it, I put it one up from the bottom, which is... Uh, come to me and again I, I don't want to be a dick about this it doesn't mean it's bad you know it's a perfectly yeah. fine song it just it's a bit of a letdown yeah, you it, know? Gets, it gets lost I mean it and Tom's lost. right too I mean so you 
you know, imagine flipping over your, when is, uh, when is, uh, Unchained Melody coming out? Um, oh, 60 maybe. Okay, so you flip the album over. I almost said Love and Feeling is 65, believe it or not. Isn't so that weird? Is, yeah, it is. I'm a little surprised. Maybe. About this, but this sounds like Unchained Melody, it right? Is that what you mean? Like, when you, the, it sounds the, the, slow. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, it comes out good. in 65. Holy shit! This what, Unchained Melody or Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers comes out in 1965. Holy shit! We are being unfairly critical of Otis's well, rendering of uh, "For Your Precious Love." Unless this, uh, this could have been recorded in '65. Yeah, it would have been early '65, but it could have been. I don't think. Um, it is a 19 uh, Unchained Melody is a 1955 song with the, oh. yeah. So it's it okay. wasn't already Righteous Brothers, not, not the Righteous Brothers yeah. originally. Where they're taking it and dressing it up quite a bit. Yeah, I don't know what the original would sound, would sound like. I don't really love the Righteous Brothers, I guess. <laughs> I really care about them. Um, Unchained Melody by the Righteous or song by the Righteous Brothers, though, is pretty good. Oh, it's a beautiful song. Yeah, don't get me wrong. And Ghost kind of ruins it for me, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, does, I don't know. Uh, does uh, uh, You've Lost That Loving Feeling, is it? Does it come back to you because Top, of Top Gun? Gun. Yeah, Top yeah, Gun, yeah, Top Gun, yeah, yeah. Top Gun rejuvenates it. Well, Top Gun came first. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's right. I forgot about uh, that. Do you know? I still never. I've never seen Top Gun. I, I hold this as kind of a strange yeah. badge of honor. Did, did you why. see the the Berlin video? Take my breath yeah, away. Of course. And then you've seen. Of course. You've seen all you need to see. <laughs> Amy Mann, right? Uh, the only interesting thing that I didn't know was that Curtis Mayfield was in the impressions. You knew Curtis Mayfield was in the. I don't think I knew that. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think I had any sense of that. I, I thought you were going to say you didn't know Jerry Butler was in the impressions. Like, well, I didn't know who Jerry Butler I was. Well, I was just going Yeah, Curtis Mayfield in the impressions. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, there, a lot of famous tracks are him fronting the impressions. Uh, who knew this? Yeah. I mean, I knew the impressions. I just yeah. had no sense of that. I always, I always just so heavily associate Curtis Mayfield with... Um, Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder, early 70s icons. Yeah, you know, like Superfly uh, and stuff like that, yeah. Absolutely. It's worth going back and listening to uh, Curtis Mayfield and the Impressions. Yeah, no, I stuff. mean, the first couple solo Curtis Mayfield albums are astounding. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess so. I, I mean, I'm not really into that kind of doo y stuff. It's okay, you know, but yeah. I don't know. I guess the Impressions is more kind of like early Smokey Robinson than it is kind of doo y stuff, though. Maybe being unfair. I mean, I should check out the Impressions. But Curtis Mayfield. I love Curtis Mayfield. Um, I want to thank you. It was pretty good. Yeah. It's the underdog of the album. Yeah, it's pretty well, why good. is it the underdog? I think it's one of the highlights. How do you mean? Well, because it's not Mr. Pitiful. Right. Okay. I don't think it was even... Was it released as a single? Uh, no. Okay, so if it's not being released as a single and it's not something that, that, that seems to carry down the stream of time with the rest of Otis's yeah. stuff, then that's why I'm viewing okay, it as an yeah. underdog. But you're saying it's pretty good. I'm it's saying it's awesome. No, 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 but I'm saying underdog, like I'm saying it's holding its own, I think, on this album, but I think you're right in the sense that this is definitely not something that's anthologized. Yeah, like, no, you, right. So it's, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's another that you found that, right. like, that you know, everybody isn't played to death, yeah. basically. I would say security's like that, but security's anthologized. You, security is yeah. always... This one slips Yeah, okay, yeah, I get that. This has like a really like sophisticated chord sequence that's snuck yes. in there, like yeah. you know, like stuff that you know. If you're not really paying much attention, it just kind of goes right past you. But then you start listening, it's like, whoa, they're doing some really cool stuff. Like right when he does the, you know, I know I'll never find another one like you. If I prove my love, it won't be true. And they, it's like it's getting like darker and darker chords back into that. Buh, 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 buh. 
Yeah, so good. Yeah. No, I really like that. I think the horn uh, arrangement's the ho- great. The, the horn lead in yeah. uh, in between each, uh, you know, to the to the chorus or back to the verse is great. I like the, the once again the Al Jackson Jr. drum beats yeah. are great yeah. mm-hmm. because he's got uh, I don't know if it's a it's a it's a syncopated beat or something, but something where there is a stuttering of a beat yeah. and. The guitar, the guitar follows or uh, follows it with an upstroke, yeah, and that's really cool too. Well, no, but even in the back of the second oh, yeah? guitar, so you have that guitar sliding over it, where I think you get the deeper sound of of of, of the slide, uh-huh. and then underneath it, you're, you're you're getting just the rhythm of, yeah. of the guitar with an upstroke, like like a like a like a reggae ish yeah. upstroke, yeah, yeah, which yeah, you wouldn't cool. expect. Huh. So yeah, it's one of my favorites. And yeah, it's cool. And yeah, you know what makes cool. it even better? It comes right after a track that was kind of dull. Well, that's right? like, yeah, just that's like just like uh, your one and only man. Like when that kicks in, you're like, right. "Fuck yeah!" I'm wondering great. if if it's like you know, if that's the reason I like it so much when you're listening to it as an album unfold. But no, I think it's solid. I thought this might be a song that I pull out and you know put on a, a mix. You know, yeah. If I thought about it, I probably wouldn't think of it though. Uh, one one more thing on this though, it is another example of lyrics that I think are that kind of like, you know, subjective. You know, like like I want to thank you. Like you know, I don't know. Like um, when you think of Otis Redding, do you think of this? You think of like these kind of aggressive masculine lyrics, not supplication. Yeah, and, and you got something more. There's a lot of that in this. I didn't. I don't know if it was, if that was prominent in. Uh, pain in my heart. I don't think it was. Maybe I just missed it. But yeah, the uh, vulnerability was still there. Vulnerability is different. Yeah, you know, Versus, like subjugation. Th- these are these are him, him feeling grateful for even being loved. You know, vulnerability can happen when yeah. when you're both on the same level. You know, I'm not getting that here. I, Rabowski might be onto something that has to do with his personal life and his wife, and uh-huh. he tells that story about you know. Uh, Getting on the plane just to get her yeah. in line, and but probably she put him in line, and you know, yeah. who knows? But yeah, verse like uh, "Come to me for I'm begging, come to oh I'm come, not, to, come me. to me." I'm sorry, but yeah, like I've, I've no, already flipped the come to me. There you go. That one too. This is a long way off from uh, "I'm a love man." Right. You know? Yeah. Is <laughs> right. Come to me is a pleading song. Yeah. But um, I think I, we, we let, let's hold uh, the jury until we get through the whole catalog because maybe that is so. the case. I, I don't. I've never listened to this stuff straight through, so maybe there is that yeah. theme of subjugation throughout. Yeah, yeah. Just something weird I picked up on. I thought, yeah, come to me is yeah towards the bottom for me. It's pretty yeah. weak. Yeah, it and just it, it just kind of it just kind of lays. It's limping. It's, but oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, but but this is the song where I felt like, oh, I think I think this is gonna be. I've been loving you uh, too long. Like I think yeah. at this point oh, right. I started to okay. realize that well, wouldn't you, there's little nuggets of here and there, but it's not strong as its own piece. I you could have said that for like these arms of mine. Well, right? these arms like, of mine is in the lyrics. Right. Well, hidden. yeah, that's that's another thing that takes away from this. It's almost like he's riffing and improvising at the end from the song that he just cut. And you're going, oh, why don't I just listen yeah. to that? Because that's so much better. Yeah. Yeah, so no, I think you're right. It's um, th- there's a potential in this, but it just doesn't live up to it. And you know that's it's interesting for that anyway. Um, this is a song I don't think we talked about it last time that uh, Isaac Hayes is supposedly ma- maybe yeah. making his debut on. 
It's either this or security right there from the same session. Yeah, I think they were released together, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think the piano is particularly interesting in this. You know what I mean? You can, so we talked the last time. I think listening to the second album, I can clearly tell like when Booker T is playing mm-hmm. versus when you know Cropper's on the piano, or in this case, right? I mean, just doing that simple thing. It's just keeping time. It's yeah, I'm getting the sense of that more as I listen. But um, What's after that? Home in your home heart. In your heart which oh, is home in your jump, heart. Jumps out of, out of nowhere. Yeah, I think there's another good one. I yeah. like these upbeat numbers. I, yeah. If there are three more upbeat numbers on this album, right, that were the same uh, intensity as Home in Your Heart, I think this would be an entirely better album. Mm-hmm. We got the sax solos on this. Yeah. Uh, you got pleading once again, going back to maybe we are seeing the theme of subjugation or, or, or you know, and then the I got to, got to, got to. Over yeah. and over, I like that. That kind of crazy yeah. ad living at the end's cool. Yeah. yeah, you're starting to see like um, burst of try. You're starting to see try a little try tenderness. tenderness. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and um, that kind of and tramp that kind of like you know like banter. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's making it, it's bubbling up here. I really like the Solomon Burke original, which is gritty. It's gritty, but I think Otis is trying to outgrit Solomon. Burke. I know. I agree. Um, but I think that the Solomon Burke. Might it even be more aggressive? Like he's trying, but like I don't know the the um, the instrumentation on it too. I think everything's more aggressive in it. Yeah. You know, it's it's good, but it's um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Something <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brooks pretty cool. So yeah, and then you get this uh, the chocolate cowboy. Did you look into this? No, <laughs> and this is the one I, I ran out of time, so I wasn't able to find an original for right. this one. So I didn't either. I don't think an original exists. So apparently the um, the songwriter is Obi McClinton, yeah. right? Who is pretty much writing songs and coming up around this time. Like he's going to be, he's a he's a contemporary of okay. this. He doesn't really make any kind of splash until the seventies. He has a string of like country hits. Right, that are like really like middle of the road kind of country western songs, but he's he's African American. He's apparently goes by the name of the Chocolate Cowboy. I don't know, but this doesn't seem to be like a western song. Otis is repurposing. It seems like he tried his hand at early sixties R and B first and did it go anywhere, and then kind of got gimmicky in the seventies. But I couldn't. I looked. I couldn't find a recording for this, or you know, nothing really. Uh, Jumped out. Apparently, I listened to a couple of his tracks. His big song was called uh, "Don't Let the Green Grass Fool You." <laughs> it's atrocious. It's it's. Why? I what, don't know. No, no. What, what, I'm just about the sentiment of the title. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean? know. I was trying. I was trying to think it through. I thought it had something to do with youth. Maybe yeah. I was hoping it was about pot. It wasn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he seems pretty straightforward, but you know this song's pretty corny. But you know it's. Yeah, it's just kind of. Any dull. insights on that? No. Yeah. Um, Other than it, it tees you up for, for you know, right? it's like all right, yeah. um, you know, another six eight, and then boom. Yeah. Right, the three the three heavy hitters are, I guess, purposely situated right after these kind of you know slow, let's say, relatively uninteresting tracks. I think. Um, all right, so so here's my big question. I don't have a read on this. I've been thinking about it all day though. Mr. Pitiful is very strange. I mean, beside the instrumentation and, like, you know, all that stuff we talked about before, it's a strange lyric, right? Call me Mr. Pitiful. So it has the qualities that I was talking about of being this kind of subjugated male, right? But it has none of the 
feel of that. None of the tonality of, of self-deprecation. Right, because isn't it supposed <laughs> to be kind of? Well, you so you don't think you don't feel that there's self-deprecation in. Uh, because he's riffing on, you know, he's riffing on what that DJ called him, right? Like, oh, that guy. Oh, that I don't know this. What is this? So, was it? What's his name? Buha something or other. So, famous DJ, you know, was, you know, either, you know, sincerely criticizing him or just mocking him in a playful way. Say, oh, Otis Redding sounds like Mr. Pitiful, you know, the way he sings those ballads. Oh, and right. so, you know, Cropper comes up with the idea originally, apparently, like, we should do a song about that. So Otis embraces it, and they apparently write the song like ten minutes. Like that's right, I'm Mr. Pitiful. Oh, all right. You know, of course I'm Mr. Pitiful. Like how could I? Let me try to explain this to you. Like of course, how could I not be Mr. That Pitiful? That makes a lot more sense. And then I'm, I'm trying it's to a read on the whole album. Then it's yeah. perfectly placed because look, yeah, you, you've just listened to a, an album that is cons- mostly consisting of pitiful soul ballads. That's right, man. Call me Mr. Pitiful. I'll embrace it. Oh, that's great. I like yeah. that a lot. All right. And I'm, I think I'm trying like, to that explains it. that explains the horn arrangement. Like there's a horn breakdown oh, where it wow. sounds like they're like doing like a nya 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 kind of yeah, thing yeah, to them. Yeah. And it's it's great. So I'm trying to frame it as another love song. You know, put it in the in the works of the ballads that he's been singing. You know, um Mr. Pitiful because he's so in love with somebody, but yeah. But it, it didn't but, make sense. But, but it does. I think it does. Well, yes, read yes. in the context of what we just described. Like he, he writes a, a, like a, a song that's ostensibly a love song, but it's also commenting on writing love songs yeah. and sounding pitiful. Yeah, it, 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 it's his second sort of meta reference in yeah. here. These, these arms of mine right. is the first, and then this is the next one where he's actually referencing himself. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, because I, I couldn't place it. I... I knew there was a more complex psychology to these lyrics, mm-hmm. but I was looking kind of inward at the love song. It's out. It's outward. Yeah. It becomes a kind of meta experience. It's a, it's a new persona form, right? That he adopts like, like the love man. Right. I mean, but let's take it as a love song thing. Even if it is, it has to be highly ironic, you know, because nobody pitiful has that kind of energy and power behind their voice, right? Mm-hmm automatic like Mr. Pitiful you could call you know come to me Mr. Pitiful yeah. right that would make more sense this there's such a juxtaposition that I, I just adore here yeah. you know even at its most kind of like simple surface read as a love song oh man I, I love this more now that's really great um, <laughs> and the music is great too yeah, yeah. music's unbelievable yeah. It's, so it's, what, you, there's got to be I'm, I, it's on the tip of my tongue right there's I know there's an album that we all know very well where you have the album and then there's something tacked on to the end that, that just transcends the album, doesn't belong, maybe because it was recorded at a different time, but I can't think of what it is. Am I out of my mind? Like, I've been driving over here, I was thinking, like, what is it? Like, at first I thought, okay, maybe it's like Joy Division and something like, like no, no, those were all recorded at the same time. Those are, I'm thinking of singles, like Love Will Tear Us Apart isn't on an album. Like, there's got, there's something I, that's I, like... I have an example, I don't even want to say it, you're going to cringe. Um, Lemonheads. It's not the Lemonheads. I'm not thinking of the Lemonheads. Right? Um, throwing on uh, uh, Mrs. Robinson at the end oh, of uh, Shame About Ray. Of Shame About Ray. Yeah. But the, that's, that's not the example. That's what popped in my head. I don't know. That's not transcending the no, album. I, I like that album a lot, by the way. I did too, but yeah. Mrs. Robinson is just a kind of goofy cover. Uh, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. My instinct, and, and, I, and I think it's not exactly what you're talking about because it's the penultimate song, but Yesterday on Help. I always got a sense because that's huh. not recorded yeah, that's during yeah. those sessions, right? I think that is set of kind of recorded before those sessions, and it it does get for me. I always got a sense that that's thrown on the end, but it's kind of 
put before Dizzy Miss Lizzie, which yeah. is kind of a shitty song, I always thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, that, that for me, because that, that's a powerhouse song, and it doesn't sound like the rest of the album, and it's at the end yeah. of it. I wonder if I'm thinking of Train in Vain at the end of uh, London Calling. Oh, maybe. That, oh, that could be. Because that, but, I mean, it's not, like, it's an awesome album. It doesn't, it's not even like that song is... Somebody say it's the it, best album. It does say that it, uh, or it does feel like it's, it is cut from a little different cloth. And yeah. it, we know it's history that it was, like, tacked on at the end. Yeah, that makes sense. What an awesome song. So right. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Hmm. Yeah, I get that. I, I mean, you get the spirit of that, you know. It's both tacked on, but, but completely necessary to make this album work. Sure. Right, if you didn't have Mr. Pitiful at the end of this album... Yeah, it would it would be tacked on is the wrong metaphor. It just it's when it comes out, it's like what the heck? Like yeah. it's just you know, like I, I was not expect if I'm hearing this for the first time and didn't know Mr. Pitiful, like it's yeah. like suddenly the speakers blow open. Yeah. So I you know I I like that story that Rabowski tells about um mm-hmm. about how or I guess it's not a real story. It's the different points of view about how these songs got written. Some um some people say like you know. Cropper grabbed him and kind of just like wrote his mm-hmm. coattails. Other people said that, um, uh, you know, that they worked really like hand to hand with each other. Well, it sounds more more insidious than that. Like if yeah. you believe the one version, it, it's Cropper was basically told by Jim Stewart to else. do some additional tailoring. So then Jim just Stewart get, get his cut from yeah. Cropper. But um, I think, you know, whatever the, the real story is, this seems like a real kind of musical collaboration, yeah. right? I mean, it, it's, I think like, you know, the, the songwriting credits as it is, right? Because this is the only one I've seen that has somebody other than Otis first, yeah. right? Yeah. This is Cropper and Otis on the, on the okay. LP um, itself. I mean, th- that's saying something. That's saying that Otis is becoming part of the bands, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the MGs and Otis are, are melding and collaborating and I feel it on this yeah. song, maybe for the first time yeah. in the whole catalog and so then far. I think that's going to go all the way to the end. It's a perfect Dock of the Bay, Right, Dock of the Bay, you're going to have, like, how could that song exist without either Otis or Cropper? But, but how great is Mr. Pitiful as the last song in this album ushering in yeah. Otis Blue, which yeah. is going to be just a powerhouse of collaboration. Oh my God, just, I mean, just hear the first notes of Old Man Trouble, oh. you know, Otis Blue. Like, it's like, whoa, my God, like, yeah. where have we, like, that sounds unbelievably, even different than Mr. Pitiful. Yeah. Like, Mr. Pitiful sounds incredible, but you hear that, it's like you're suddenly hearing, like, the sound of, uh, you know, I, I can't think of it. The angels. I, I was thinking of the harmony of the spheres, but whatever. <laughs> Some stupid metaphor. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, this is, this, is a great, this is a good album. You know what I mean? What it suffers from is not being Otis Blue in my opinion, and not being pain in my heart. I know you feel a little differently. I think it's wedged between two really, a re, like one of the greats ever, and a really great album. Um, but, you know, my guess is if, if I listened to every R&B album that was put out in 1965, this would be by far in the top 10. You know, that's my guess. You know, who's, I mean, really, I, I was doing a little research. Who's really making, like, cohesive R&B albums at this time that are this sophisticated? Sam Cooke is, you know, maybe we're getting early Smokey. I don't even know. He might be in singles Jackie still. Jackie Wilson. Jackie Wilson. There's not many, right? We can probably name them all that have cohesive albums like mm. this. For that, I mean, you're right. I, I think Josh is right. It is a step in the right direction of cohesion. You know what I mean? That might be a fault of the album ultimately, but yeah, at least it gets he's a thinking sandy. about it. 
But I think uh, you listen to tracks. I mean, cohesion doesn't have to be a, a problem for an album. Sometimes, like like what's going on, it's sure. it, that glue holds that together well, that's beautifully. Like a, that's a special thing. That's but I, that's what I mean. So I think you can do it masterfully, and I think this is not done masterfully. Right. But I think it is done in the right direction of trying to make an album feel. I mean, given your read of Mr. Pitiful. You could almost think of this as like an early concept album, you know. I get it; that's going too far, but um, you know, I think it has that kind of that kind of um, glue, yeah. you know. The choice of putting Mr. Pitiful at the end—that that has to comment on the album, yeah, right? Because I, I mean, you listen to that track, you think, "God damn, that should have been right. That should have been track number one, Definitely. like get people's attention and whatnot." Definitely. But no, it was a conscious album choice to put it at the end. Yeah. And maybe that justifies that title. That's why you call it ballads, right? Mm-hmm. Because it, it speaks to the whole kind of archetypal view of what a ballad does and, you know, subverts it. I really like that. All right. That's good. All right, so next time, I mean, Otis Blue is my pers- one of my personal favorite albums of all time. It's a, it's a powerhouse. I'm really looking forward to talking about that. Call me Mr. Pitiful. This everybody knows now.